I wanted it everywhere because I really believed that muslin was the only thing you should be wrapping your baby in. Like it came from a place of wanting to help other mums with a product that I felt was absolutely essential to a new mum and a newborn baby. So I wanted it to be everywhere. And then really the marketing that built Aiden and Anae was just mums telling other mums how much they love the product. Like we didn't spend any money on formal marketing for the first five years of Aiden and Anae's existence. I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is The Rise Podcast. I, I told you before we started, I've had um, the pleasure of getting to listen to your story before on a podcast, and I'm super excited for my audience to get to experience it if they never have before. But if they're not familiar with you already, will you tell them who you are and how you got here? Sure. So my name is Reagan Moyer-Jones. I am the founder and prior CEO of Aiden and Danae, which is a baby products company that I started in the US uh, about 12 years ago, I guess, and built it into a, a global brand. And yeah, I'm, uh, I'm currently working on a new business, actually, um, in a very different arena, uh, the, the liquor industry. So I've gone from <laughs> babies to booze. So it's quite the transition. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I, guess, I guess you'd call me an entrepreneur. I'm also a mum of four daughters, so, uh, you know, the the juggling is real, which most working mums out there would totally understand. Yeah. Will you start, uh, we start at the beginning of where Aiden and Anae came from. Like, where did this idea start? The the impetus, if I'm remembering right, was you were looking for something here in the U.S. that you had had back home and couldn't find. Is that right? That's exactly right. So when I had a nay, uh, my eldest of the four girls here back in 2003, I went looking for this piece of cloth really called muslin that was very common back home in Australia with parents, but for, for whatever reason just didn't exist here in the States. So I thought, well, how the hell do American parents live without this stuff? Because I didn't know one Australian parent that did. And I just thought if I introduced this to the US, I'm sure that American mums and parents would respond to it the same way as the Aussies had previously. And that's kind of how it all got started. And from the from from that idea, how do you like how do you get to day one of the business? You you have this idea, but did you know about, you know, manufacturing, importing, shipping? Like how how in the world did you get from idea to actual product? 
Great question. No, I didn't know anything about anything. My uh, my background was sales. I'd always been in sales roles throughout my career prior to starting Aiden and Nay. But as far as manufacturing or even selling a baby product, you know, I'd always sold research and um, conferences and different things like that. I shampoo. I'd never sold anything in the baby space. And really, I just taught myself as I went along. You know, Google became my best friend. I, you know, I can honestly say I kind of Googled my way to nearly $50 million in revenue <laughs> um, before I could start to afford to, to employ experts to actually do all the stuff that I was sort of learning on the fly. And, um, you know, I really, it really was that easy and that hard. I just taught myself as I went along because I knew nothing about manufacturing, nothing about supply chains, nothing about finance, nothing about IT, all the things that are necessary to build and run a successful business. So I really did, you know, teach myself and use common sense for as long as I could. And then, uh, you know, once the business started to, to make some money, I, I then obviously started to employ the experts to come in and, and help me build it and scale it to the next level. And did you start with a single SKU or you were like, here's an entire line? Because as a mom of four, obviously I've, I've yeah. bought everything from burp cloths to blankets yeah. from Aiden and Anae, but I'm assuming that you started with a smaller offering. Exactly. I, I started it with four SKUs three of which were the same product, which were just the four packs of the muslin wraps or swaddle blankets that, you know, we call them here in the States, and a towel and washcloth set. So from those four SKUs, I eventually grew it to where we had uh, just over 2,000 SKUs. So it was, uh, yeah, there was a there was a whole, and, and for anybody out there who is starting a product, you know, consumer business 2,000 SKUs is too many <laughs> so, <laughs> just so we're clear just, just saying 2,000 is too many so but yeah I really did just start with the four and built the built the foundation of the brand on those four SKUs and primarily the the blankets and then because I was a mum and I was having more children I went on to have three more three more daughters after and they you know, I had built-in test market in my own home, which is what a lot of mums have and do, and that's how they start their businesses because they see an opportunity for a product that they want that doesn't actually exist. And then I started to build out the, the products around things that I actually wanted for my own daughters. And when you were, once you had those initial SKUs, was it, e-com did you go into retail like how how because no. I love the thought process for any entrepreneur I love mapping it because I think it looks so different for all of us but for those people yes. who are sitting at home right now and they feel like they've got this great idea but they're you know they stop themselves like well I don't really know how well none of us really know how we figure it out as we go along exactly like I look at what you've built and no way in hell would I attempt that. You know, that is so scary to me because that just is so out of my comfort zone, you know, whereas the product-based businesses feel very, 
you know, intuitive to me. It, I really do believe that, you know, common sense and hard work with the, the, the great idea for a product or a need or a service is, is all you need. Like the, the book that I wrote, and just as an aside, God bless you for writing multiple books because one <laughs> nearly killed me and I am never doing it again. That's hilarious. And I also want to tell you I've, I've read your books and there was a particular piece of advice in, in uh, I think it was in Girl, Wash Your Hair. Wash Your you Face, said, yeah. When you wrote Wash Your Face, right, the, that um, – that you said that when you wrote your first book, you you read all the reviews, yeah, and you know just don't read the reviews, yeah, because and and because what it takes was so personal to me, I really put myself out there. That was I read your book right before my book was coming out, and I was like, I I heeded the advice, and I'm so glad I did. I. I've not read one review. So good, good for you. could be hating it out there and I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> See, that's the power. I keep saying this to people. If It's like that old saying, if a tree falls in the forest but no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? That's what I think about negativity. I'm like, well, if you hate me but I don't hear about it, then it doesn't affect me at all. Exactly. So thank you for that. You are welcome. You, you personally impacted me with that and I'm quite sure there's some haters out there so I'm <laughs> glad I don't know about it um, but but I digress so where, where were we what, oh you what, were so what, how what, did you you have the product now how did you figure out what to do did you get it in retail oh, did you right. put it online so yes yeah, so so that's a great question because the way I started and built Aiden and an A 12 years ago is very different to the way that I would start and build a, a product-based business now. Interesting. Because you know, 12 years ago, Amazon didn't run the world and it wasn't all about e-com, you know, brick-and-mortar placements in, in key stores were still really important for building a brand. So back then, I sort of went hell for leather to get as wide a distribution as I could in as many stores as I could. And actually, we didn't focus on e-commerce at all because I didn't want to compete against the retailers that were supporting the product. Mm. So it was just a very different time. And um, whereas now, really, you know, you have to have that incredibly strong online e-commerce presence or otherwise you kind of, you're lost in yeah. the world of Amazon. Yeah. I'm curious as um, how much of your your past prepared you for the level of the company that you were building? You know, you like the numbers that you got to and, and you eventually sold the company. Is that correct? Aiden and yes, yeah, I did. I eventually sold the company and got fired from it last year. So oh my goodness. that might be another podcast though. <laughs> But but how but did you have experience because I we talk a lot in the community about um, self-sabotage and getting to a place where you're experiencing a level of revenue or a level of growth that's beyond what you know and how many people mm -hmm. will keep themselves from doing something big because so did you have mm -hmm. things in your past that were preparing you for that level of success or you were just like I'm going to hold on to the ride and see where it takes me. That's such a good question and no one has ever asked me that before. 
So what I would say to that is I was always a very hard worker. My parents instilled in me that if you want to accomplish anything, you have to work hard for it. So I had a very strong inbuilt work ethic in me. I also had a a sort of quiet confidence that one of the reasons I started Aiden and NA was because in my corporate career, I was constantly being told primarily by men, and I don't hate men, I love men, <laughs> but most of my bosses were men, and I was constantly told, you're where you should be, you, you know, don't look to move further, we don't see you running a division or, you know, managing people and things like that, and it was very frustrating to me because I felt in in myself that I was capable of doing more and doing a good job of it, but I was not being given the opportunity. So that was one of the big motivating factors for me to want to do something on my own. You know, I didn't really know I was an entrepreneur until, you know, I'd built a a $50 million business and then I was like, okay, well, Matt, I might be an entrepreneur now, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> So I um, I think that that was a big motivation to me. It was to prove to them, but more so to myself, that I could do it. So in terms of how big I wanted the business to be, that I never I never went into this thinking I was just going to keep it as a side hustle because it was a side hustle for a long time, Rachel. Like I had the idea when Anae was born in two thousand and three. It took till 2006 to work out how to make the product and get it to market. And then I kept working at my full-time job at The Economist from 2006 till 2009. And then when I got to a million dollars in revenue, that was when I felt comfortable, you know, taking the full leap into running Aiden and May full-time. So for for a number of years, it was it was what, you would refer to as a side hustle. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was, but I I always believed somewhere, albeit I never set myself a dollar or a revenue goal, but I always just intuitively knew that it was going to be a $100 million business. Wow. Just never, that was never a question in my mind that we weren't going to get it to that. Were there things that you did marketing to mothers, marketing to parents that you feel like really set you up for success or do you think it was the product itself or just sort of this magic amalgamation of the two of those things? Another great question. Look, for for any budding, you know, entrepreneur out there or somebody thinking about doing something for themselves, there are a lot of serendipitous moments along the way that I think are part of building a successful business. Like I look back and there were there were there were crossroads where I could have gone left and I went right and it made all the difference sort of thing. And when I got it out there and I think what what we did right in the beginning was I wanted it everywhere because I really believed that muslin was the only thing you should be wrapping your baby in. Like it came from a place of wanting to help other mums with a product that I felt was absolutely essential to a new mum and a newborn baby. So I wanted it to be 
everywhere. And then really the marketing that built Aiden and NA was just mums telling other mums how much they love the product. We didn't spend any money on formal marketing for the first five years of Aiden and NA's existence. I believe that one penny. It's so it's so amazing when I think back to the first time that I bought the swaddle the swaddlers in the four pack. I remember it so distinctly being pregnant with my first baby and how interesting it is that in a world of like if you're a first time parent, everything you're buying is you've done loads of research and your friends have all told you. But for me, I just remember walking down the aisle and seeing it and touching it. And I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. that's the, there's not even another option. This is so soft. This is the thing that I'm going to go with. An amazing, maybe this is a silly question, but were there times where you were like, it, when you were building the idea of this seems too good to be true, like how has nobody figured this out in the U.S.? Like is there something I'm missing? Or you were just like, no, these people are dumb. Let me show you what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> Not dumb, but I was as stunned as everybody else that it didn't exist in the U.S. I really – I couldn't believe it because – I went out looking for it when I was pregnant with an A because I knew that all my friends and my sister who had had babies before me had used muslin and, and not just used muslin, used 10 of them a day with their baby because that's what made that product so fabulous, right, that it did multiple things, this one piece of cloth. And I was as surprised as anybody that no one had heard of it in the US. And then it turned out, No one had heard of it anywhere else in the world outside of Australia. So that that then became another aha moment where, wow, I've literally got the whole world to, you know, get this product out into, which became a sprint because I couldn't patent a square piece of muslin, which is obvious now because, you know, 12 years ago no one had heard of it and now today there's probably about a 1,000 companies doing exactly what Aiden and NA did. So it's, um, yeah, it was was just, I I honestly don't know why, why this product that is now truly created a new market segment, not just in the US but pretty much globally, that, is a product that most mums now, whether it's an Aiden and Name Muslim blanket or another company's Muslim blanket, it's on everybody's registry. It's one of those products, just like it was in Australia, that mums can't live without. Yeah. So I, I really don't know why it hadn't, you know, I guess Australia's far away and isolated, so that worked out in my favour. Wow. But honestly, how many people, you are not the first person to come from Australia and live here and have a baby. So it wasn't just that magical piece of it not existing yet. It had to have someone make it real and turn it into fruition. So, so inspiring for the rest of us. I've spoken to a lot of people, a lot of people, Rachel. And this is what I say. I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs now who reach out to me and sort of want to want to know the secret to what made it so successful. And I do say a lot that I think the biggest mistake people make is they have ideas because I'm 100% sure I wasn't the first Australian to go, wow, they don't have muslin here. You should really, someone should really bring it here. But the difference is I did it. Yeah. I didn't just have the idea. 
And I think so many people, you know, have great ideas and because they don't think they know exactly how to do it, how to, and when I say do it, I mean build the business and turn this idea into, you know, a, a multi-million dollar business, they they don't take that leap. Yeah. And that was another reason I wrote the book because I wanted everyone to know that there is so nothing special about me. I'm never the smartest person in the room, never the most creative, not the most connected. I just was someone who had an idea that I didn't invent. I didn't invent muslin. It had been around since before biblical times and, you know, and had the idea had an incredible work ethic that was instilled in me by my parents and just was prepared to work really hard to to get it out there. And, and as I said, I really didn't know anything. A, a classic story is I was talking to a buyer at one of the big, you know, chain major stores and everything and I'd sent a sample and, and followed up and said, you know, would is it something you're interested in? And she said to me, you know what, yes, we'd like to learn more. Can you send me a line sheet? And I said, absolutely. And I hung up the phone and I had to Google what a line <laughs> sheet was. I, I didn't have a clue. Yeah. you know, I have I, done that I, many I, times I, in my career. Right, <laughs> you know? But I think that's the point, right? Like yep. you don't have to know everything. On the contrary, you don't actually have to know anything other than you've got a great idea for a product or a service that you think will help people and then you just work it out as you go along. Absolutely. It's, it's really not brain surgery. And I'm sure your journey has been similar but different in the, you know, you started out a writer and then you saw that what you had to say was of and you found a way to just get it out there to a whole lot more people. You know, it's, you just you just work it out as you go along, really. Hundred um, percent. Before I ask my next question, because you mentioned it, tell everyone what the book is called and where they can get it. Because now everyone's oh, going to want to go sorry. buy it. I'm really not trying to plug my <laughs> no, book. No, plug your <laughs> book. Come on, but, girl. I'm an author. I am okay. here for this. Okay. Well, that's very kind of you. It, the book's called What It Takes, um, and you can get it. You know. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all of that. It came all out in usuals. May, but it is just a very honest, honest uh, depiction of my journey from sort of the kitchen table to what ultimately became a hundred million dollar global brand. Incredible! And now you're now you're building a new brand. Will you tell us about that? I am. Yes. So, so as I said, you know, another little tidbit for all those entrepreneurs listening is. Be very careful if you sell your controlling interest of your business to to a private equity firm, despite what they tell you during the courting stage. You know, you run the risk of of not seeing eye to eye and being pushed out of your own business, which is what happened to me last year. So that was pretty awful. Um, but I wasn't I wasn't ready to be the lady that lunches and sail off into the sunset. So. I've started an, another business with my uh, old COO of Aiden and Nene, actually, David, and we have started a premium moonshine company. <laughs> so it's called St. Luna, and uh, we're having a lot of fun with it. It's, it's a, a high-end moonshine, and we sort of saw an opportunity to 
to turn the whole notion of moonshine being just rocket fuel that serves one purpose to mm-hmm. get people wasted and um, create this premium version of it that's sold in, you know, five-star restaurants and cocktail bars and we've kind of started in New York City and it's so far so good. We're in, you know, Ariel and Jean Georges and employees only. So and why people can are I really ask, did you guys liking just, it. Did you have the idea for a, a moonshine or were you like, okay, we get to do anything. What do we want to do? Yes, it was the latter. Yeah, okay. And it was actually David who came up with the idea of moonshine. And, you know, and, and rightfully so, he saw, he saw a, a huge industry in the liquor industry and moonshine being a relatively new and, you know, in our opinion, under sort of developed category within it. And, you know, look, it's very different, right, Rachel? It's like... I'm not advocating that people need moonshine in their lives. <laughs> like I really believe that mums needed muslin. It's very different. This is much more of a looking at it from a truly business perspective and, you know, disrupting a, a category. And it's fun. It's fun to be building something from the ground up again. And it's nice to see people responding to the product and, you know, having a lot of fun with it. And what do you think you're carrying with you into this next iteration? Because I know that we have listeners who are, they're in a transitional phase of their life. They're becoming something new and there's so much identity wrapped up in what they were doing and who now they are becoming. So what are the things that you think you're, you're walking into this next phase that are like helping you transition? Right. To be clear, I fell into a very deep, dark hole for about a year after I was fired. So I don't want anyone listening to think that I just got fired one day and then just skipped on out and started a new business and went, yay, all is good. It was horrible, like, because I'd lived and breathed that business for over a decade, 24-7, you know, like yeah. even when you're not working, you never stop thinking about your business, right? Yep. So that was a, that was a difficult time and it really did take me about a year to, to sort of find my feet again and get my confidence back because, you know, your confidence gets beaten down in those situations. So, but once I sort of did that, read a lot of books like yours and listened to a lot of podcasts and filled myself back up, which I hadn't done for a long time because, again, running a business like that is all-consuming. So there's between your business and your children, there's not a lot left for you. So I did put in some me time, which I hadn't done for many years. And then when I felt, you know, back and on my feet again, that's, you know, that's when I sort of started to move forward with David, with St. Luna. But, you know, obviously, and and I know it sounds like a cliche, but the failures have taught me way more than the successes. So I'm bringing a lot of that to the table this time. You know, I'm never going to make the same mistake again um, uh, with lots of things in terms of running a business. So you just, you're just by default smarter because of what you've learned along the way. And I don't think until you're actually doing the new that you realize how much you know and how intuitively it just comes back to you. 
Um, so I would say to people, again, you know, one of my favourite quotes is a John Burroughs quote. It's called, it's, he says, leap in the net will appear. I think that's so true in that, you know, leap and just trust that you you will know what you're doing and it will come back to you, um, you know, tenfold when you're actually in the moment. I'm curious, and uh, maybe this question is too much. You can tell me if you're not interested in answering it. But just knowing myself, I'm curious how motivational it is to you to be starting again after being forced out. Well, first and foremost, I'm Australian, so nothing's off the table with okay, us. I get okay. myself in trouble, get <laughs> so much trouble because I'm honest to a fault. Yeah. So I would say to that that, look, it is hard work having got to the levels I did with Aiden and Anae and, and having a huge team around me. And again, you wouldn't know what that feels like. People that were smarter than me and more talented than me that I could lean on and you know, it's, it is not easy being back in the trenches. Like I'm literally walking door to door in bars and restaurants, you know, sort of going, hey, I'm Reagan and this is my new, pro-. you know, I am way back in the trenches. And there are days where I'm like, what the hell am I yes. how did I get here? But then, you know, when fabulous places like Employees Only that everybody covets to get their liquor into, loves it, takes it, you for me, you know, then you're on a high again. So I'd say there are definitely days where I'm going, you know, how I effectively have gone back to being my children's personal assistant and driver <laughs> as opposed to, you know, having people helping me with my life and, you know, going door to door with the product. So there's definitely moments where I'm like, how did this happen and what am I doing? But then on the flip side, that rush you get when you see people responding to something you've created and, and brought into the world, whether it's a baby blanket or a premium bottle of moonshine, if you're a true entrepreneur, you know, you get a real rush out of that. I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah, I think for me, I, at this place in my career, I am... This is probably going to sound crazy, and I'm sure a therapist would have a field day with me. But I am, I love it when someone underestimates me. I love it. I just yeah. had an experience within the last month, and I'm not going to name names, but um, super disrespected by someone that I have admired for a really long time. And it hurt my feelings yeah. so bad. And then yeah. I got up the next day, and I was like, all right. Mother effort. Sorry, anyone who like yeah. I, at least I didn't say the real word. Like, okay, okay, that because it to me it I use that as fuel, and so I'm just thinking oh. of you know in the season that you're in, or for any listeners who are in something where it would be so easy for you to to just walk away, to hide away, to never stand back up again. And and I want to acknowledge you for that because I think that there are plenty of people who would go, I already built something beyond anyone's expectations. I'm good. And so for you to right. go like, I already conquered this industry. Now watch me go over here and do it again. Because whether right. or not, you know, like there's just something so powerful. And I even think for your daughters to watch you yeah. like go again and be like, let you know what you thought that was a fluke. Watch, watch this. Watch what I can exactly. do now. So freaking inspiring. I, I, 
It, well, thank you. But, but, and again, but, you know, it wasn't pretty there for, like I, like I said, big black hole for yeah. a while. It yeah. took some time to get back to this point. It wasn't instant. Of course. But I look at it as such a full circle moment because my motivation for starting Aiden and Anna was, you know, a whole lot about trying to explain to people, show people that didn't believe that I had it in me, that I didn't believe I could do it, had pigeonholed me as kind of the slightly crazy, outspoken Australian girl, you know, that didn't really have senior management written on her, that I could do it, right? And so now I had the same experience with private equity people who sort of came in, paid me a lot of money for my business, and then as soon as they had control of it, started to doubt every decision I made and beat me down and tell me I wasn't good enough. Like uh, when they, you know, before they fired me, I got a phone call saying that they were moving me out of the CEO role because they just didn't think I had what it took to take the business to the next level, and that they were going to hire a superstar CEO. Now, as strong as I am. That stuff starts to eat away your Absolutely. psyche, right? Absolutely. And then you start to go, "Oh, are they right? Do is that you know? It, it's it's a it takes a lot of inner strength to be able to dig deep and go, I'm not going to buy into your perception of me, and and stay you know steady with what deep down you you always sort of felt because you wouldn't have accomplished. You know, I used to say this to the investors. I'm like. At what point in time did you go from coveting my business and wanting to own it to the person who built it from scratch to the big check you wrote me is is useless? Yeah. It just didn't make sense yeah. to me. So I put it down to a power thing in certain situations. You know, I don't know about you, but I am not traditionally educated you know I didn't go to an Ivy League school I dropped out of university I didn't finish my MBA you know so when you're dealing with people who have that pedigree and that background I think people like me don't compute a lot of the time so it's easier to just put us in the box of you don't know what you're doing and I think it's really more about their insecurities than the other way around but when you hear it enough, you do have to dig deep to not let it truly drag you down. Well, I think it's phenomenal that you are building something new and beautiful, and I can't wait to see like how you channel that again because it's been something you've used before. And I always think it's like if you – I study a lot of like boxers or sports stars or whatever, and everyone has – a lever, like everyone has a button that they can push. The highest performers, the highest achievers have something that is what got them to that place. And if what got you to that place before was those people doubting what you were capable of, it feels like, you know, jet fuel to create what is the next thing that you're going to do, which is so rad. Exactly. And that's what I said to them, you know, as horrible as it was and they were, I'm very much hoping that in, you know, five years' time, I'll be thanking them for fueling me all over again, you know? Love that. 
Love that, Reagan. Thank you so much for all of the information, for the wisdom, for sharing your story. It is so helpful for our listeners who are building their own things to hear about another woman who has gone ahead. Uh, If people want to learn more about you, uh, where can they hang out with you on social or online? Reagan Moyer Jones. There only seems to be one of me, so I'm (laughs) I'm lucky that I have a pretty unique name. Uh, ReaganMoyerJones.com and Instagram, Reagan Moyer Jones. So. And uh, thank you very much for having me on and letting me share some of my story with your listeners. And congratulations on all your success. I'm a, I'm a fan for sure. Oh, thank you, Regan. I super appreciate that.